How's it going guys and welcome back to the Beyond the Arc podcast and today I've got a little bit of a different video for you lot. Now as you can see Sully isn't here, he's off living his best life on holiday whilst I'm here left to record videos on my own so if that isn't enough to force you guys to leave a like on this video then who knows. Um, but today I'm going to be redrafting the 2021 NBA draft. Now as you guys know the NBA draft night is tomorrow night as I'm recording on the 23rd of June. So hopefully, uh, when I release this, it should be tomorrow and the draft should be happening on the night that I release this, which makes this all nice and relevant. And as this is the um, 2022 draft, that means it is one year since the 2021 draft. That was very, um, very obvious of me there. But what I'm going to be doing today, I'm going to be looking back at the lottery picks from the 2021 draft so that's picks 1 to 14, and I'm going to be saying who I think should have been picks number 1 to 14, depending on, well, given how they've all performed this year. So make sure that you guys are liking and subscribing to the YouTube. Uh, make sure you're sharing it out no matter what you're listening on. Also, maybe before we get straight onto it, make sure that you guys are commenting down below what you think we should be doing during the offseason, and make sure that you're um, commenting if you want to see more videos like this where I go and redraft um, different um, draft classes. So maybe in the future, me and Sully can go and redraft the 2020 draft lottery or the 2019 draft lottery. Who knows? But I feel like this isn't something that me and Sully need to have a massive conversation on, which means I'm fine talking about it on my own. Um, so yeah, make sure that you're, like I said, leaving a like and subscribing to the YouTube for some more solo videos um it makes me kind of feel like i want to carry on doing this kind of stuff on my own even if sully isn't here we got to keep the weekly theme going so without further ado let's get straight into it and let's get straight to the first pick which in real life was Cade cunningham and well this is the only time that this is going to happen but i am also picking Cade cunningham number one i know he didn't win rookie of the year he was third in the end for the rookie of the year voting which kind of means well surely shouldn't he be third no i don't think so because i think the only reason that kid didn't win rookie of the year was because he ended up um injured for the first part of the season he didn't play as much as ever mobley and scotty barnes and he has shown that he is like he's going to be a franchise player in the future definitely with a couple of uh, triple doubles and a few high-scoring games against the likes of Brooklyn, Denver, and Utah. But yeah, he ended up finishing the season with 17 points per game, about five rebounds a game, and about five assists per game, and that was only in about 50-odd games. So I think when it comes to it, if Cade hadn't been injured for the first half of the season, and he ended up playing around about 60, 70 games like Mobley and Barnes did, there is no doubt that he'd have won Rookie of the Year. So I feel like... Detroit were right in drafting him number one. He has, he has franchise player written all over him, and I feel like they've got a good rock to build around, a good young point guard to build around who can share the ball uh, and is fearless in shooting. You know, as he goes through the years and he becomes more of an established player in the NBA, he'll start getting more calls for uh, some of the fouls that he actually didn't um, come up with this year, if that makes any sense. And uh, yeah, I feel like he is going to be the best player in this draft class. No doubt about it. The second pick in real life was Jalen Green. And um, I haven't said that I should pick Jalen Green number two. Instead, I'm going with Evan Mobley. 
at number two. Uh, the person who finished second in Rookie of the Year voting. So yeah, the Rookie of the Year, I don't even think is a top two player in this draft class. Um, Evan Mobley, let's be honest, no one was expecting Cleveland to do so well this year in the playoffs. Well, they didn't get to the playoffs, but in the regular season, they did so well. And I think everyone was expecting them to be a lottery team again, but they stuck around there and I feel like they were pretty unlucky to not finish in sixth. And even when they finished seventh, people were saying, well, they probably should be getting in the playoffs, but in the end, it ultimately didn't work out for them. And I feel like that's not a bad thing for Cleveland. Um, I feel like given the start of the season, um, when nobody was expecting them to finish in the uh, top eight, um, me and Sully, I remember we said that they'd finish 13th and 15th. So I feel... It's definitely a great season for Cleveland, and Evan Mobley is one of the main reasons why that's happened. He uh, had 22 games with 10-plus rebounds, and as a rookie, um, coming into the rotation, especially with the likes of Jarrett Allen already on the team, getting that many rebounds is definitely something to be proud of. And even when Jarrett Allen ended up going down with injury, Evan Mobley stepped up in that centre position, he pulled through, and he ended up with um, 15 points per game and 8 rebounds per game. Um, and a couple of 30 pieces too. So, Evan Mobley, I feel he is the future of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Him and Jarrett Allen, that's going to be such an OP front, front court in the uh, future. These two, they know what they're doing. They know their jobs. Their job is to grab rebounds and score in the paint. And I feel like... Evan Mobley has already shown that he's capable of that, and I feel like in the end he is going to be one of the best power forwards in NBA history. That might be a hot take, but who knows? We'll move on to number three. Um, well, we'll talk about Jalen Green a little bit later because I have I'm going to draft him. He was number two, and he did end up having a decent end of the season. But moving on to number three, which was Evan Mobley's pick, we're finally getting round to the Rookie of the Year, which is Scotty Barnes. Now I feel Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley had very similar seasons you know Evan Mobley ended up with 15 points per game and eight rebounds per game Scotty Barnes ended up with 15 points per game and seven rebounds per game these two are pretty interchangeable um and I feel like it was really a toss of the coin as to who won rookie of the year I feel like Scotty Barnes was on a team that ended up in the playoffs this year and I feel like that is the main reason why he won Rookie of the Year. Not through the fact that he played more games, because he only really played about six, seven more games than Evan Mobley. So I feel like Scotty Barnes um, maybe deserved of Rookie of the Year. I personally feel like he will end up being um, just about top three in this um, draft class. I do feel like Cade and Evan are better. Um, again, don't shoot me on that, Toronto fans. Um, I just feel like, given... Toronto's power that they had they probably shouldn't have been a lottery team last year at all and I feel like Scotty Barnes has obviously come in and made that team better which I guess is more credit on him I, I believe because obviously like I said they already had good um good forwards and good centers so I feel to be able to break into that starting five almost immediately and show that you belong in that um system show you belong in the league at a top team I feel like, yeah, definitely. Um, he is definitely one of the top three players in this draft class, especially um, when people were looking at the playoffs. And I feel like some people were thinking maybe if Scotty Barnes had been 100% through that Philly season series, then there's potential that Toronto could have caused the upset on Philadelphia. So yeah, Scotty Barnes, I personally feel like um, 
moves up from that number four pick to that number three pick, in my opinion. We'll move on to number four. And number four is Scotty Barnes, um, which was the tr- the draft in real life. I have put Jalen Green there. And yeah, so I, I hadn't dropped him too far down. He was number two pick and he had dropped down to number four. I think he is the best shooter in this draft class and will be miles ahead of anyone else in this draft class when it comes to shooting the ball. It's just he had that awful, awful start to this season. And yeah, I feel like you can't really come back from that. Cade Cunningham didn't win Rookie of the Year because he was injured for the first part of the season. Jalen Green was playing like he was injured for the first part of the season. Yeah, I feel Green has the potential to be Steph Curry potential levels of shooting. Maybe not Steph Curry, actually, but maybe like like a Dame Lillard potential. You know, knock down three, uh, can drive in, finish anywhere. And that was shown throughout the uh, the final part of the season when he ended up with, I think, six 30-point games in, his last, in the last seven games, including 41 points against Atlanta on the final game. And if that doesn't show that he is someone that you need to be looking out for on the scouting report in future years as someone who can score that basketball, then I don't know what does. So I feel like Jalen Green, he had that poor start to the season, but he did end up uh, finishing with 17 points, three rebounds and two assists. Obviously, the lack of assists is a bit of an issue from the guard spot, but I feel like with Kevin Porter Jr. next to him, who's kind of you know progressing a little bit in his assist game, I feel like that doesn't really matter as much. Um, so, yeah, I think Jalen Green is an amazing shooter. And especially with Christian Wood leaving um, this uh, offseason, then Jalen Green is going to be the main guy to shoot that ball next year. And I think he's going to average potentially 20 points um, a game next year. And, yeah. So, like, we'll just move straight on to the fifth pick, which in real life was Jalen Suggs from the uh, Orlando Magic. I don't think Jalen Suggs had that good of a season. We'll talk about Jalen Suggs a little bit more later, but in my opinion, fifth pick, it has to be Josh Giddy. It has to be. I mean, I love this guy. I personally feel like he should be top four, but I feel like I'll get slammed for putting him anywhere above fifth uh, because there are just four clear good players in this uh, draft class that are going to be um, the franchise players potentially of a, of a team soon and Josh Giddy, I feel like might not be a franchise player but I don't think that matters because genuinely he has it all points assists rebounds he is like a little Luka Doncic a little Ben Simmons you know he can have potential to like, just average 10 across the board, like a Draymond Green kind of kind of player. He's the motor that will make your team run. You won't rely on him to score the ball every single night, and I feel like he isn't as aggressive, and I feel like he could be a little bit more, but let's be honest, when you're, when you're averaging 12 points, 7 rebounds, and 6 assists a game in your rookie year, like, you're halfway to a triple, averaging a triple-double in your rookie year, that's not something that can go under the radar. And Oklahoma City... They might be a poor team now, uh, but they do have the future. Shea Gorgeous Alexander, Lou Dort, great defender, uh, Josh Giddy. They have that little core that can blossom into something amazing in the next few years. So yeah, definitely Josh Giddy at number five because, um, well, and in the end that is him moving up because he was number six in real life. And um, instead I have drafted Franz Wagner, number six. He ended up 
in the um, All-NBA Rookie Year um, first team. I feel like Josh Giddy should have been uh, in there instead of in the second team. But I think Franz Wagner, he definitely has shown that he can be such a reliable offensive player for Orlando. Um, in the end, Orlando did draft Jalen Suggs before Franz Wagner. Maybe this should have been the other way around. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Franz Wagner, he was a little bit um, inconsistent at times when shooting the ball, but he has shown that he can explode he got 38 points against Milwaukee, which, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but I feel like is the second most points, uh, single game points averages after Jalen Green in this draft class. So yeah, I feel like Orlando have kind of found their guy. Moving on to number seven, in real life, was Jonathan Kaminga. And this might be a hot take, but I'm not even putting Kaminga in the uh, lottery. I feel like he does have great potential. But when you're drafting onto the Warriors, man, it's just hard to get into that starting five. Obviously, when Draymond Green did come, uh, did go down with injury, Kaminga did uh, shift into that starting five, and he did show glimpses of quality. Uh, but in the end, he really just was a bit part player in that championship run. You know, not getting many minutes in the rotation. You know, with the likes of Gary Payton and co on the bench it's really hard to even break into rotation for the golden state warriors at the moment so yeah kaminga he has the quality um but he did play a lot of g a lot of g league this year and i feel like you can't be a lottery pick if you're not going to be brought in to be that guy that can take your team to the next level so instead at number seven i have gone and this might also be a hot take but i guess he did end up getting all NBA, all nba rookie year second team so maybe it's not as much of a hot take, but I have put in second rounder, 35th pick, Herb Jones, into the pick number seven. Now, in my opinion, Herb Jones is probably one of the best defensive shooting guards in that rookie class. I mean, he probably is the best defensive shooting guard in that rookie class. And he has shown it on the big stage. You know, guarding Chris Paul, guarding Devin Booker, you know... New Orleans did get a few steals at that backcourt this year, and we will talk about Jose Alvarado a little bit later. I know, right? He's in the lottery, in my opinion. But I feel like Herb Jones, he's not going to average you a load of points, you know? He only averaged nine points a game. But I feel like it's what you do off the ball, the fundamentals, which is what brings you to a championship-level team. And I feel like New Orleans are going to challenge next year. They definitely are. They've shown that they can hang with the likes of Phoenix in the playoffs. Obviously, Phoenix did have a bit a bit of a disappointing run in the playoffs, but I feel like he has definitely shown that he has um, potential to lock down your, um, your big teams. You know, Phoenix, yes, they had a disappointing year, but they're no joke. And I feel like New Orleans, people were expecting a sweep, but Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, Brandon Ingram, they all banded together, and I feel like Herb Jones is definitely that kind of guy that can bring that defense that championship teams um, long for. So yeah, Herb Jones at number seven. At number eight, which used to be Franz Wagner, that was what the actual draft was saying, I have put Chris Duarte in there. Chris Duarte moved up from 13 in real life to my draft pick of number eight. And I feel like Chris Duarte is kind of like Franz Wagner in a little sense. Obviously, he's a little bit short. He plays at the two guard instead of the three. Um, but Duarte, a bit inconsistent at times. But in the end... He still averaged 13 points per game and didn't play that many games. He only played about 50 games this season. 
you know, he has a bit, he had a bit of an injury problem um, towards the end of the year. But yeah, definitely Chris Duarte, he could be the guy that Indiana looked to um, not build their team around, but like he'll be one of the pieces that you kind of build the team around. Um, Duarte at, mostly came off the bench um, this year, obviously. The Pacers had Brogdon and then Halliburton as their backcourt for a lot of the years. But if the rumours are true and Indiana are looking to ship Malcolm Brogdon out somewhere else this offseason, maybe Chris Duarte can get a few more minutes in the uh, starting five and then potentially show his quality and show that he is worthy of um, the number eight pick that I've put him in. At number nine, the real pick was Divon Mitchell from the Sacramento Kings. Um... We will talk about Divon a little bit later, but I don't feel like he had that great of a season. One person who did, and call me biased, I might be a Chicago fan, but Ayo Dosunmu deserves to be in that top center of that draft. Obviously, you know, he wouldn't have played for the Bulls otherwise, but he has shown that he is amazing. You know, when a second round pick, a 38th pick, ends up in Rookie of the Year votings, that's crazy. And obviously he ended up in the second team. And in the end, was Dosunmu going to be a major part of a playoff team this year? Definitely not. But you got to play with what you're given. When Lonzo went out of injuries, when Caruso went out of injuries, Io stepped up. And as a Bulls fan, as I watched the Bulls more than any other team this year, um, he definitely, definitely was our best passer at times. Um, he ended up with four games with 10 plus assists, and that's all off the bench. Well, mostly off the bench. He did even come into the starting five sometimes and didn't look out of place. And especially in the final game of the regular season when we rested Damar, we rested Zach, uh, we might have rested Vooch. Um, Io came through. He ended up um, scoring about 26, which was his uh, career high. So he has shown that he can shoulder the offensive load as well. I feel like he definitely is worthy of being in the top 10 of this draft, which is why I picked him number 9. The real pick at number 10 was Zaire Williams. And I can't lie to you, Zaire, I feel like he can have that potential to be amazing. But no one was expecting Memphis to do so well this year. Memphis ended up obviously finishing second, getting through to the um, Western Conference semifinals where they lost to Golden State. And Zaire Williams, ultimately, as a rookie, you're not really going to be um, part of that deep playoff run unless you're like Scotty Barnes or Cade or Mobley. So I feel like Williams was a bit too inconsistent even through the regular season too. I do feel like he could have potential to explode next season. Obviously, we've seen with Desmond Bain in his sophomore year. Um, he's become one of the best three-point shooters in the league and he's shown that he is exactly what Memphis need um obviously Memphis do have some really good forwards in there so it's going to be hard to crack into the rotation when you've got the likes of Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark in your position but I feel like Williams I think he has all the potential to do amazingly next season but I feel like because of what he's done this year he definitely isn't in the lottery in my opinion instead I'm putting in Bones Highland from the Denver Nuggets again someone who um, was not the second round, but 26th pick in the first round, so quite late first round pick. 
Uh, no one expected him to have so, as good a season as he did. He averaged 10 points a game. He ended up getting into the All-NBA Rookie Year second team. And again, like with Dosunmu, was anyone expecting him either on the Nuggets or in the rest of the NBA to have such an impactful year? No, not really. But with Jamal Murray still, unfortunately, being injured for the whole season, I really hope he comes back next year. I've missed this guy, Hoop, uh, but I digress. With Monte Morris going into the starting five in place of Jamal Murray, Highland was the guy off the bench at the point guard position. Like I said, he averaged 10 points a game, two rebounds, two assists, and again, as the 26th pick, averaging double-digit points, that's something that you got to that you got to raise your glass to and say, well done, Mr. Bones. That's a great nickname, you know. I really like that nickname. Um, so, yeah, I feel like for his nickname alone, he has to be in that top 10. But he obviously had such a good season as well that, yes, Bones Highland, top 10 in my opinion. Uh, let me know what you guys think about that in the comments. Number 11, James Booknight. I've no idea if I've butchered that um, name, but, yeah. No, man. Like, I don't know what Charlotte were thinking drafting him, if I'm honest with you, if they weren't expecting him to play a decent part in your team's season. Like, 11th pick is not a bad pick, but when you're struggling to get into the rotation, that's not that good. He only played 31 times this year, and even when he did play, I think towards the end of the season, he was only playing about four minutes. So yeah, I mean, Book Knight, he's definitely the flop of the draft class, in my opinion. And yeah, he's definitely not in my um, lottery picks. Instead, Jalen Suggs is who I've put there. Now, Jalen Suggs was the fifth pick. Like I said, I think he's the person who's dropped the most, but has still stayed in my lottery. Obviously, he got the likes of um, Book Knight and Kaminga, who just dropped out of the lottery altogether. But I feel like Suggs, he does have the potential, but didn't play enough. Injury-stricken year, he only played 48 times this year, which is just over half the season. I feel like you can't really judge a player based off of only playing 48 times, but you also equally can't put him in the top five. So I feel like 11th is just about fine for him. He didn't. End, he did end up with uh, four 20-point games, and he ended up with um, averaging uh, 11 points, four rebounds, three assists. So 11 points across 48 games, it's not top five worthy as well, is that's why he was drafted properly. But I do feel like maybe an 11th pick and hopefully next season he can get over his injury problems and actually average some decent points. In the 12th pick in real life was Joshua Primo. And, you know, I said James Booknight might have been the flop of the draft. Primo might have been too. I mean, I don't watch much San Antonio basketball, but Primo only played 50 times. Um, he had a few injuries and also just struggled to get into the rotation, ended up averaging five points per game, which as a shooting guard, that's not really good enough. Five points per game, under 40% shooting from the field. Yeah, I feel like that's not a lottery pick numbers. That's probably not even first round numbers in my opinion. But hey, you never know. Like I said, I didn't watch much San Antonio basketball, but from stats alone, he definitely can't be in the lottery in my opinion. Instead in there, and I did allude to him earlier, the only undrafted player that has made it into my lottery picks, Jose Alvarado. And like I said with Herb Jones, the best way to get eyes on you is to perform during the playoffs. And Jose Alvarado did that perfectly. To the expense of Chris Paul, my man locked him down and 
give him hell. The point guard, I feel like everyone was expecting him to just show out. And in the end, in that game six, he had that perfect game. So fair enough to Chris Paul. He didn't end up overriding it. And yeah, in the end, Phoenix did end up knocking New Orleans out. But like I said, everyone was expecting a sweep. New Orleans pushed it to six games. So big up to the Pelicans and big up to Alvarado. Alvarado, undrafted, uh, came in, finished fourth in total steals with 71 steals in only 54 games. And you know how I said uh, you can't really judge, you can't really give someone who doesn't play that many games a place in the lottery? I personally think you have to too, uh, in this situation. Jose Alvarado has future Patrick Beverly written all over him. That annoying, annoying guy, unless he's on your team and then you absolutely love him. But he's so annoying for the rest of the league to play against because he's just such a rat in there, you know, averaging all them steals, you know, up in your face, great defense with them sneaky steals from behind. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why no one else has really thought of doing that as like an actual strategy. But yeah, when fatigue kicks in and you don't really know that he's there, Alvarado can nick up on you and get that steal. So yeah, I feel like Alvarado definitely, definitely worthy of a place in the lottery. And I've picked him number 12. Penultimate pick for the lottery, number 13 was Chris Duarte, who we talked about more uh, earlier in the video. And instead, I've picked Divon Mitchell there. I don't really watch much Sacramento basketball, so I guess I can't really be such a great advocate for Divon Mitchell. But I do feel like with De'Aaron Fox in there, maybe Mitchell obviously wasn't going to be shouldering the load at point guard this year, which is where he's listed as playing. He does have potential. I just don't feel he did anything spectacular this year, especially in the points totals. He has shown that he can be a great passer of the ball, though. He's had a 17 assist game and a 15 assist game towards the end of last season. And I feel like that has kind of shown that he can kick on next year and potentially be that guy who can replace Halliburton in the sense of he was a great ball handler, great passer. I think Mitchell can be that guy and also average you double-digit points just like he did this year. 11 points per game, 4 assists per game. But like I said, them massive assist game shows that he does have potential to be in this league for a long time. So yeah, definitely I feel like he deserves still to be in that lottery, just not as high as he was picked. I've picked him number 13. And that'll lead us on to the final pick of the lottery, and that was number 14, which was Moses Moody. And I can't lie, there's like I don't really understand Golden State. I don't really get how they managed to finesse this Minnesota out of that pick for D'Angelo Russell. Like, how? How has Golden State... Yes, they didn't get in the playoffs last year, but everyone knew that they were still going to be OP this year. How did they end up getting two picks in the lottery? How? I don't really understand. And obviously, like with uh, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody ultimately didn't really play that well um, this year. He didn't really get the chance to. He only played about 11 minutes per game. So... Yeah, I don't think 11 minutes per game, that ain't lottery worthy in my opinion. I feel like, yes, he does have that potential. And obviously, when Clay Thompson ends up retiring, Moody is going to probably uh, get more game time. Um, Clay's probably not going to retire anytime soon. But, you know, even um, when he was injured, Moody wasn't really getting much game time. So I feel like I don't really understand this whole pick. But I do feel like there is potential uh, for Moody, especially outside of Golden State, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to stay with Golden State for that long. I think Golden State might trade him. Again, 
um like pin this if this happens i'm the greatest predictions master ever like sully get in the bin because i am the best predictions master but if Moody does end up staying with Golden State, I feel like he does have a decent position on the bench in the future. Just obviously this year he played a lot of G League, and when he did play in the NBA, he didn't play that much. So yeah, in my opinion, Moses Moody ain't worthy of a number 14. Instead, I have gone with potentially an outsider's pick. This could be another hot take. I've gone with Alfred Sengun. No idea if I've uh, pronounced that right, because he's Turkish. I don't know how to say Turkish people's names, surprisingly enough. But... Sengun was the 16th pick, so he has only moved up to, in my opinion, and I feel like he does have that potential to be Houston's main guy at center, especially now that Christian Wood's gone, Sengun is going to be playing more minutes in the starting five this uh, this year, and he did end up doing well off the bench, he averaged around about um, nine points a game with five rebounds and two assists, and don't let those two assists kind of deceive you there. Because I feel like he is a decent passer of the ball. He did end up with um, a few games with uh, four, five, six assists. And he ended up with eight assists in one game. And I feel like as a centre, um, a rookie centre at that, that is a very good uh, stat line to have in my opinion. And I feel like, like I said, with Christian Wood leaving, he's going to have that chance to have a bit of a breakout year in his second year. So yeah, I feel like he does deserve a place in that lottery pick. Um, final pick, 14. And that'll round out my redrafting the 2021 lottery. Now, obviously, I know I haven't really taken into account of what these teams needed. I haven't said who drafted who, other than uh, the Golden State teams and that. Um, but I feel like I don't really want to take into account what teams need. I feel like this is redrafting the lottery, but this is also kind of me just ranking who I think the best rookies were and who I think has the best future in the NBA. So going in to the lottery was Herb Jones, Ayodesumu, Bones Highland, Jose Alvarado, and Alfred Sengun. And going out of the lottery, Kuminga, uh, Zaya Williams, James Booknight, Joshua Primo, and Moses Moody. Let me know what you guys think about that in the comments. I mean, I feel like I've absolutely smashed that. I mean, I think that I have come in here and I have made that draft perfect. But obviously, that means Ayodesumu doesn't get to play for the Bulls anymore. But, you know, it's the sacrifices we must make to have a better draft class, in my opinion. But anyway, I think that'll uh, conclude this uh, week's episode of the Beyond the Eye podcast. Uh, we, Me and Sully will be back in the future talking about what will happen tonight at the draft. Um, at the draft. Uh, we will see... If any trades happen, you know, we like we know that some front offices like to shake things up on draft night and uh, use their pick to get someone good. So you never know, some massive trades might happen tomorrow night and we will definitely review that in the future. Um, but before we, before I finish this episode, like I said before, make sure you're liking and subscribing onto the YouTube video. Make sure you're sharing it out no matter what you're listening on. And finally, um, you guys out there, make sure that you are commenting what you guys want to see from me and Sully during the off season, because we want to take on your um, opinions and we want to release videos that you guys want to see. So yeah, make sure that you're commenting down below any video ideas for during the off season. And yeah, hopefully Sully will be back very soon. But as of now, I will see you guys in the next video. Peace.